Welcome to Wednesday Bible Study. I'm glad you're there here. And uh, we're looking forward to getting into a little more of uh, Richard J. Foster's book, uh, Celebration of Disciplines. And uh, we have been now for the third week in uh, the celebration or the, the uh, discipline of worship. And uh, I really want to lay this on your heart right now. I, I truly believe that worship today in this hour is as important as it has ever been. To get in that place where we are filling our space up with 100% of the observance and the attention and the, uh, the all-consuming presence of our Heavenly Father. Uh, it will mean more to you in the coming days than you ever thought uh, possible or even necessary. And so worship is our chief reason for being here on earth, is to worship God and to bring Him glory and to expand His kingdom. And so we're going to continue and finish out today on the subject of worship, how vitally important it is for us as an individual, but also important for us corporately as a body of believers uh, to worship God, because we're all worshiping something. Um, it may be sports. It may be uh, your favorite baseball team, football team, basketball team. It may be clothes. It may be the house you have. It may be even your own children uh, that they consume your mind. They consume your thoughts. And in your own way, you bow down to them. And in your own way, you, you give yourself over to them. Even uh, when it comes to the sporting arena, some people say, well, I, I can't lift up holy hands uh, in towards God in worship, but you can lift up holy hands at a basketball game, or lift your hands up and and or in a baseball game, or you can shout about a, a good find at, at your local department store. Um, you know when you find that wonderful thing that you got, or you can go out to that car that you just have uh, adored and and love and appreciate, and you go out and you clean it and you. Uh, and you hoot and howl about it, and and you just uh, your eyes get big with wonderment when you when you see whatever that thing is that you choose to worship. It could be intellect. It could be so many different things that that consume us that we do things that we would not ordinarily do. It moves us spirit, soul, body in ways that we would not if it wasn't something that we worship. So keep that in mind as we go through these next few points. We're going to talk about the avenue into worship, which means the basically the thoroughfare or the, the, the road uh, to, that leads to worship. And then uh, some of the, the steps to worship. And then finally, the produce or what worship produces. So let's get to it. Let's pray first, of course. Father, we thank you for this time together. I ask that you think through my mind and speak through my lips. Uh, words that will edify us, exhort us, comfort us, provoke us to change. Help us to, in our own lives, identify whether or not we have truly been a worshiper and lead us to even deeper worship. Deep calleth unto deep. We know that you're calling us into a deeper, more powerful, more formidable worship of you. And so we look forward to what you're going to teach us by Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get to it. So we're talking about the avenue or the roadway into worship. Number one, 
The first avenue into worship is to still all humanity, all humanly initiated activity. That word still means to quiet it, bring everything to a halt, all our human activity. The stilling of, cre of creaturely activity, as the patriarchs of the inner life called it, is not something to be confined to formal worship services, but it is a lifestyle. It is, a permeate, it is to permeate the daily fabric of our lives. We are to live in a perpetual, inward, listening silence so that God is the source of our words and our actions. So anywhere you go, anywhere you're at, whether it be on your job, whether it be in your car traveling, whether it even be in a meeting, you can go into a worshipful state where you steal everything and you look inward. No one needs to know that you're looking inward, but out of that stillness, out of that halting of all your natural uh, instincts to, to launch out there, to jump in, as it were, uh, it's counterproductive to what our flesh wants to do. Our flesh is in need of, of, of some stimulation or some uh, expression. But when we still ourselves, we're saying, I want to go into a blank state, as it were, not, not in, a, in a yoga state, not in an emptying of the mind state, but in a place where I'm listening for his voice. I'm listening to the voice of the one that means most to me. I'm listening to the voice of the one that I desire to consume all the space of my life. And I'm stealing all my natural inclinations to jump out, to speak, to, to grab hold of, to look around and determine what I should say, what I should do. I'm stealing it all. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you're telling me. That's worship. Like no one else in this room matters. Just you, God. What you say matters, but no one else no one else matters, and so that we can hear him, so we have to learn how to steal all of our natural desires and inclinations and and that jumpiness that jumps in us and says i've got to prove something i've got to say something i've got to do something just to be able to relax and say god i'm only going to emulate what you what I see and only going to say what I hear you say." That's distilling. That's in a form of worship. But that must be practiced day in and day out, 24 hours a day, all the time. Even as we're talking on the phone with someone, we're listening inside. What should I say? What should my response be as we worship him? Number two, Francos Finalon, F-E-N-E-L-O-N, hyphenation on the E, writes, happy the soul which by a sincere self-renunciation holds itself ceaselessly in the hands of its creator. Ceaselessly in the hands of its creator. Ready to do everything which he wishes, which never stops saying to itself a hundred times a day, Lord, what wouldest thou I should do? What if we live conscious of that all the time? Well, we're constantly saying, God, what wouldest thou have me to do? I'm in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a lot of noise. But God, what wouldest thou have me to do? And he may say something to you, or he may not give you any impression at all. And we need to be obedient and okay with saying nothing sometimes, and obedient and okay 
with speaking out, even when it's seemingly contrary to what needs to be said, instead of being reactive to our circumstances, but more so reacting to the voice of the one on the inside of us. That's real worship. That is God. What wouldst thou have me to do? What wouldst thou have me to do in every circumstance? What wouldst thou have me to ask? What wouldst thou have me to say? What wouldst thou have me, would you have me to go? And all those things are an ongoing, perpetual conversation with God all day long because he is the object of our worship. We are uh, consistently constant thinking about him. Boy, God wants us to think about him all day long. He wants to think about him 24 hours a day in the midst of everything we do, everything we say. Even, even in the very intimacies of our relationship, he wants us to listen to what he has to say. Boy, if all of us would do that, be in a worshipful mode, even as we are with our children, even if, as we're with our spouse. God, what is it that you want me to say? How do I respond? How do I react? What do I do in this particular circumstance that I am? Instead of rattling off, instead of just going off and saying whatever and then having to pull it back in because we said something that we shouldn't have said. If we are observant of what the Spirit of God Holy Spirit is saying on the inside of us uh, and, and, and worshiping God through his Holy Spirit, then we will be always relevant, always in harmony, not with the world, but with what God is doing. So God's got his own tune flowing. He's got his own rhythms going. In our, and we have to catch up with his rhythm. We have to catch up with his harmonies and not create our own harmony. Okay? Because when we do that, we actually sound disconcerted or we're out of concert with what he's trying to do. Number three, to still the activity of the flesh so that the activity of the Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit dominates the way we live will affect and inform public worship. It will affect and inform public worship. Sometimes it will take the form of absolute silence. Certainly, it is more fitting uh, to more to come in reverential silence and awe before the Holy One of Eternity than to rush into His presence. Listen, with hearts and minds askew and tongues full of words. I've done that before. Just just jump right in. Just you know, na 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 with God. You know, didn't didn't anticipate His mood. Didn't anticipate, you know, kind of see, okay, what's he doing first? You know, uh, here, here we go. We're going to jump into the room. We're going to go into the party and bring all the attention on ourselves. Why don't we just go into the room, go into the party, as it were, and look around first? See what's going on. There's an old saying in, in sports, you know, in basketball or, or football and maybe other sports as well, um, let the game come to you. And then what that basically means is don't try to overdo it. Don't, don't try to make it up. You know, don't, don't try to, to try to overextend yourself to make something happen. Let it come to you. Find out what's going on and you, you get involved with that, you know. And, and the same is true of God. Let's, let's let God come to us in the sense that, 
uh, that let, let's find out what he's doing. Let's find out what he desires to go on. Sometimes we're yelling and screaming in worship when he wants to be silent. And sometimes we're just uh, just very silent, docile, when God is like, no, this is a party, baby. Let's get it on. Let's, let's have a good time. Let's, let's, let's jump. Let's shout. Let's dance. Let's, let's, let's go. And, and, and we have to be like that. We have to judge what his mood is. What does he want to do today? Maybe he just wants to sit down and talk that day. Or maybe he's like, man, fester. Like, I feel like jumping and, and shouting and having a good time today. And we need to be open to that. You know, not all one thing one way one time at, at all times. Or is there's no cookie cutter, as it were, uh, as to what kind of space we're in of worship. We have to, we have to, to uh, discern what is Holy Spirit telling us today that God wants. What does God want today? It's not what George wants. What does God want? Maybe I go in and say, I don't feel like clapping my hands. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like going prostrate on the floor. I don't, I don't feel like running around or dancing today. No. What does God want? What is his mood? What does he desire? i never forget a story by Jack Hayford. Uh, we were at a men's, uh, men's retreat back in the days when they were having, um, not men's retreat, but it was like the Promise Keepers event. And uh, at this particular Promise Keepers, Jack Hayford was speaking. I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was down in Atlanta, big event. And so um, Jack Hayford said, uh, and again, I'm, I'm going by recollection. He said he was in his study, he was praying, he was meditating, he was praying to God as he normally does. And, and God said to Jack Hayford, um, I want you to dance for me. And Jack Hayford said, um, I, I don't dance. And God said, but, but for me, I'd like for you to dance for me. And Jackie was like, no, that, that's not what I do. I don't, that, that's not, that's not who I am. That's, I don't dance. And God, of course, I'm paraphrasing some things. But, but God asked him again, Holy Spirit asked him again, would you dance for me? And he began to dance. And he may not have thought it was the best dancing. Maybe he was, uh, according to our standards, he could have been out of rhythm. But he danced. Why? Because his audience of one asked him to. What if we did that? What if we simply said, God, what is it that you want? You, you want me to dance? I'll dance. Not because you're a dancer. You know, some people have a predisposition to dance, depending on how they grew up. Man, they, they like to dance. They like to holler. They like to scream. They like to shout. They like to do all of those, those things. And But you know as well as I do, in some settings, it's not appropriate to dance. But if God, Almighty God, wants us to dance, then it's always appropriate. It's always the right time to do it and the right thing to do. But we have to discern what it is he's wanting and then give it to him. Whatever that is. It could be quietness. It could be just laying down. It could be whatever. But we have to discern what that is. It's not always the same thing all the time. Uh, number four, praise is another avenue into worship. Praise. The Psalms are the literature of worship. And their most prominent feature is praise. Praise the Lord is the shout that reverberates from one end of the Psalter to the other. Singing, shouting, dancing, rejoicing, adoring 
are all the language of praise. I want to say that one more time. Singing, shouting, dancing, rejoicing, adoring, all are the language of praise. You know, sometimes, you know, depending on your denominational background, um, you know, sometimes we don't do that. Well, that's religion. It's really what does God want? You know, there, I've heard people, I'm, I don't use this term, but I've heard people in certain, uh, in a particular certain uh, uh, denomination say, we are the chosen, uh, the frozen chosen, or the chosen frozen, one of the two. And basically what they're saying is that, yeah, we, we, we are Christians, uh, but we are the kind that don't move. We, we, we remain calm and, 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 um, and just so ever so um, uh, reverential and, and all of that. Well, that surely wasn't David. <laughs> the Bible says of David, David danced before the Lord. A matter of fact, he danced so much that, that it, it, when he came back in, that it made um, um, so, not Solomon, Saul upset. He was came in town dancing and singing and twirling and and God just delighted in that kind of worship at that time because that's what the spirit of the Lord upon David was doing at that time. He was dancing. I'm sure there were other times where David was just so calm, so serene, so thoughtful, so mindful. But when he came back in after that victory, he wasn't. He was dancing. And, and and the women that were, were watching him were like, boy, Saul has killed his thousand, but David has killed his tens of thousand. And and it just, just raked all over him. And then his own wife, uh, David's wife, uh, got a little ahead of herself and complained about his dancing. And it would be it was detrimental to her because God wanted dancing. And I think there's times that God wants to I, I'm not necessarily a dancer. Uh, matter of fact, I think that gene kind of left this brother because <laughs> I'm not really a, 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 a rhythmic kind of a guy. Matter of fact, my wife is not all that rhythmic either as far as dance is concerned. It just kind of left us. I don't know if any of my children are rhythmic. I have not seen evidence of it either. But, but we, can, we can jump. We can dance. We can, we can, we can do a little. We can, we can do whatever God tells us to do. In other words, we're not incapable of movement, even though we may be incapable of rhythm. But God just, as a, as a father, just wants to see us delight ourselves in Him. And if that means shouting sometimes, if that means dancing sometimes, if that means loud rejoicing sometimes, don't allow what you call your personality to get in front of what God's desires are for you as you worship him is all I'm saying. Number five, in praise, we see how totally the emotion, oh, let me go back just a minute. Um, it, the only reason we get a little handicapped in that area is because we begin to be more concerned about what other people are thinking around us than we are concerned about what God is thinking of us. And so we look around, well, Bob, Bob, Bob is just twiddling his thumbs. Um, and he's going to look at me like I'm crazy. Bob may not have a revelation of that yet. You do what God says. It's so freeing to be free. It's so wonderful to do what's in your heart to do without 
concerns, encumbrances of the other people around you. Let's get beyond that. I, I, I want to get beyond that. Let's get beyond that. Let's get beyond what we think other people are thinking about us. First of all, you really don't know. Bob over there going like this might be saying, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I was that free. Boy, that's, that's wonderful to see that. I, I, I sure wish that maybe one day I can do that as well. I'm just not free. But your freedom might free him up to be able to, to find the mood of God. And next thing you know, Bob is jumping and shouting and having a good time and got a revelation of it himself. And he's just overjoyed in his relationship. So let's not get caught up in what other people are thinking. Let's get caught up in what God is thinking. Number five, in praise, we see how totally the emotions need to be brought into the act of worship. Listen to that again. In praise, we see how totally the emotions need to be brought into the act of worship. Worship that is solely cerebral, mental, is an aberration. In other words, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, misinformed. It's, it's, it's not what it really is or should be. Uh, feelings are a legitimate part of the human personality and should be employed in worship. To make such a statement doesn't mean that our worship should, be, should do violence to our rational faculties, but it does mean that our rational faculties alone are inadequate. You know, um, there is a there is something that I have called we've called um, extravagant worship, extravagant, extraordinary. You know that which defies our our rational thinking. Like I, rationally, I don't do that, but irrationally or out of my mind, but in the, my mind towards God is more of a. You know what? It doesn't really matter. I'm going to do this. And it's not a violent kind of, you know, where, you know, listen, Holy Spirit's not going to get, do, cause us to do anything or ask us to do anything that's going to turn people away from God. His goal is to get us to come to God. So if it's crazy, crazy, or like crazy, like cray, cray, like super crazy, and they doing some stuff that they, you know, they they jump up to, as they used to say, they they're swinging from the chandeliers. That ain't God. God is not trying to cause people to be unattracted to Him. He wants the people to be attracted. And when it is pure worship, the spirit of that worship, it connects with the people who are looking on, and says, you know, I didn't quite understand it, but it sure seemed right. It just seemed okay. That that person was dancing around and flowing and and moving and and that the shouting was just was okay. Now, if it's out of concert, they're gonna know that as well. So that's why we gotta judge the mood of the Spirit of God. Judge Holy Spirit. What is he What is he trying to tell us? God wants of us that day, and then it will be in keeping. All right. So number six, singing is meant to move us into praise. It provides a medium for the expression of the emotion. Through music, we express our joy, our thanksgiving. No less than 41 psalms command us to sing unto the Lord. So singing is a wonderful thing. And the beautiful thing about it is singing does not require necessarily ability. It just requires the desire to sing. So that means that you can sing. That doesn't mean you can sing in a choir. That doesn't mean you can sing solos. 
<laughs> well, you can't sing so low that no one can hear you in a public setting. No, that's I'm joking. Uh, but you can sing. You can sing to the Lord. You, you, I, every day should be that, that, that there's a hymn in your heart that you sing unto the Lord, something that you just kind of make up. You know, I grew up in, in a household where my dad sung all the time. He may not want no one to know that, but he would sing. He would, You could hear him going around the house singing, you know, just, just noise. I don't, I, don't, I don't ever know that he ever said he was a singer. Uh, he, I think he saw himself as a crooner at one time, but... But uh, but he used to sing, and, and I think we picked that up because I sing all the time. And and, uh, and my son, uh, Gabriel, I hear him singing all the time. We just grew up singing. We would make songs in the shower, you know, like just, just – but just singing. Our hearts were merry. Um, and so singing is a big part. Singing is an expression of the joy and the merriment that is in our hearts. So we should sing. Allow yourself to sing. Allow yourself to sing corporately where other people's singing can drown your singing out but you are now in concert with everyone else if you feel like you can't sing all right uh, but again there are, that singing is something that we all 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 should do all of us can sing to God okay uh, number seven we are to present our bodies to God in a posture consistent with the inner spirit in worship standing Clapping, dancing, lifting up holy hands, lifting our head, uh, our postures consistent with the spirit of praise. You know, uh, lift up your heads, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Lift. That's why we, as you know, they call us, you know, charismatics or or um, spirit filled or word of faith or whatever. But you understand that when the when the when the charismatic movement came in they came in with praise you know i didn't grow up in an environment where we sung we the choir sung and um we would sing hymns um but the 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 worshipfulness of it uh i didn't grow up nothing wrong with what we did but but that was introduced to me later in life where where the congregational worship and so so in much of the posture if you go into many churches you, you see us looking up, worshiping God. We're just, and so people are not used to that. They're like, what are they, what are they, what are they looking for? You know, well, you know, and I can, I'll be honest, when I first started, started uh, getting into uh, that kind of environment, that atmosphere, um, I, I really didn't know what was going on. Just like I didn't know why people were wanting to hug me all the time. And like every, every person wanted to give me a hug. I'm like, where are they getting that from? Well, the Bible tells us uh, to, to uh, uh, greet one another uh, with a hope. Well, it, it actually says a holy kiss. And, and you know, some people do that, too. Um, they're not as comfortable with that. But I have a good friend named Jamie Torres. He's very, very comfortable with that. But if you listen to me, Jamie, that's for you. But he's a very worshipful individual as well. But hugging, uh, greeting one another with a hug, that came out of the charismatic movement. That came out of people who began to embrace one another uh, with a sincere brotherly hug. And, and a lot of things uh, were, were brought into our culture from, from what we received from the Word of God. And one of those things is, is, is the worship with our hands up. Clapping sometimes for, for, towards God is really not, not, not the thing to do. Uh, 
clapping is more of a gesture of praise, but it's not so much a gesture of worship. Worship is more an awe, a reverence, like, you know, not, not, not flipper, you know, it's not because we don't know what to do with our hands. And so I sometimes, and we'll, we'll forget it over time, but sometimes I'll tell our congregation, uh, you know, hey, um, you know, when we're worshiping, let's just lift up our hands and let's be okay with the silence. Be okay with not making any noise. Be okay with just standing in awe of him. You know, it's okay. Uh, we sometimes get into a habit of clap, 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 clap. And, 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 and sometimes that steals away from the moment. It steals away from the atmosphere. God just wants us to, to sit there and adore him. All right. So postures are important. Uh, to sit still, looking door is simply not appropriate for praise. Kneeling, bowing the head, lying prostrate are postures consistent with the spirit of adoration and humility. Uh, do you do that even in your private time? Do you ever think about kneeling? Do you ever think about bowing your head to him? Do you ever think about lying down prostrate on the floor? Or do you ever think about any of those things that would say, I just, I want to bow down to you. Uh, thank you. Those are our gestures fitting, listen to me, fitting only to God. Okay? Sometimes you'll see humans do that to other humans. I'm not certain that that's what God intended for us to do, for us to do this to another human. You know, it is a show of submission. I'm not, I'm not, Bucking, and I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily, um, as long as the intention is right. You're not bowing down to a human per se to worship him, as long as that's the case. Um, but when we bow down, we bow down to our Heavenly Father. I'm moving a little slow, and I need to move a little quicker, so let's keep going here. We are quick to object to this line of teaching. People have different temperaments. I already said that. We argue that may appeal to emotional types, but I'm naturally quiet and reserved. It isn't the kind of worship that will meet my need. What we must see is that the real question in worship is not what will meet my need. The real question is what kind of worship does God call for? It is clear that God calls for wholehearted worship. Just ask yourself that next, next time you feel like, I don't... I don't do that, and these people. No, ask, ask, ask yourself: Is this about me, or is this about God? Is this about me, or is this about God? Because if it's this, if it's about God, then you need to submit and surrender to His desires, not so much your own desires. All right. I hope that makes sense to you. Because many of us will use our own personality. That's just not, that's not what I do. That's not, not my temperament. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't. End up. No, ask yourself, what does God want and not yourself? Number nine, having said this, I must hasten to add that the physical response to worship is never to be manipulated in any way. That's why sometimes when you hear people, all right, y'all need to, y'all need to raise up your hands. Y'all need to, y'all need, no, 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 no. You're going to get people bucking that kind of uh, manipulative way. Just, just let people flow. It, especially if you're a worship leader, just 
just find where the, the, the Holy Spirit is doing. Find out and then lead people there. Don't manipulate them there. Don't you better you know you ought to, you better give him and da 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 You know what that does for me is like throwing cold water on me. It's like there it went. You know, because that's a form of manipulation. You know, don't don't get out there and 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 look and say they're not they're not they're not cheering. Well, who are they supposed to cheer for? Not you. <laughs> you you're, you're not the one that they're supposed to be adoring and, and worshiping. Don't don't manipulate them there. Leave them there. All of us, you know, even myself as a pastor, you know, the, 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 there, there's, there's sometimes a, a desire to get people to, to move in a direction, to go in a direction, to give me an amen or whatever the case may be. And, and, and you can, you can teeter with manipulation. Manipulation is not of God. It's all free will. What does God want? You know, allow people to get in there for themselves. Don't force people into a hole when they are a square peg at the time. You know, let guys smooth off those edges so that they can eventually be uh, moved into that hole. But don't manipulate. Please, please. I'm telling you, it's like dousing a fire out with water. It does not work. It grates against everything that we are. We do not like to be controlled. All right? In many worship experiences I have seen at any given moment people sitting, standing, kneeling, lying, prostrate, and the Spirit of God resting upon them all. So you can have different expressions of worship all at the same time in the same place. Not everybody may be dancing. Not everyone's shouting. Someone may be lying down on the floor prostrate. You can have all those expressions. And if the Holy Spirit is involved, it will be in concert. All right, so steps to worship. I'm going to try to get through these before we finish up today. Number one, first learn to practice the presence of God daily. That's step number one. Really try to follow Paul's words. Pray without ceasing. That means have a 24 hours, be worshipful. And then when you are in a corporate worship environment, it will be easy. Number two, second, have many different experiences of worship. Worship God when you are alone. Have home groups, not just for Bible study, but for very, uh, ex for the very experience of worship itself. Gather little groups of two and three and learn to offer up a sacrifice of praise. So that simply means this. It's like, you know, what if you called someone up on a Sunday afternoon and say, hey, listen, let's meet and let's just worship God. That's okay. Those are practices that... Quite honest, we used to do that when I was growing up in the faith. We would have those kind of meetings. I think I mentioned that before. But you can do that now. Just just a time. Hey man, let's get. Uh, hey, let's just worship God. And you just take a little few minutes to sit there and worship Him. Number three, third, find ways to really prepare for the gathered experience of worship. Listen, this is vital. Prepare on Saturday night by going to bed early. Huh? Yes. A big day is tomorrow. Go to bed. Be prepared. Don't bring a tired, lazy, drowsy self into the place of worshiping God and expect to get something out of it. Don't bring cold water into a hot place. We're trying to get that place hot and ready and ready to fire it up for the things of God. 
and you've not prepared, you've watched television all night, watched the football game all night or whatever, and then just drag in the church like, oh, i got to do this, my, my civic duty today. No, come in there prepared. Prepare on Saturday night by going to bed early, by having an inward experience of examination and confession, by going over the hymns and scriptures passages that will be used on Sunday, by gathering early before the actual worship service and filling the room with presence of God, by letting go of inner distractions so that you can really participate. It makes a big difference on the anointing as to the environment in which you bring into that room. So be prepared, you know, especially now since we're, we're streaming and we've reduced our services down to primarily just teaching. We've not had any uh, uh, praise and worship singers up there for a little while, just doing our part, so to speak. Uh, but, but man, come prepared for worship. Don't just drag out of the bed and just got there. You just got out of bed 10 minutes ago and now you're in church uh, 10 minutes later. No, be prepared. Come worshipfully. Come already stimulated by worship before you get there. You know, one thing that I've, I've practiced is just that. Man, when I come into the service, I, I have practiced uh, before I even get there, before I leave my house, a worshipful time, a worshipful environment. Even before ministering to you this afternoon, I, I've taken the time to be worshipful, to get the worship on me. You know, get the, the acknowledgement of God on me, the attention of God coming out of me so that I, I hear from him. So that is important. Number four, or number fifth, cultivate holy dependency. Holy dependency means that you are utterly and completely dependent upon God for everything significant to happen. In other words, we're coming to worship, God, I have no other agenda than what you have to say to me and what you want to say to me, when you want to say it to me. And I'm not coming up with anything else. Number, number six, absorb distractions with gratitude. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is important, especially for you high-strung people who hate any kinds of distractions. You need to absorb this one. Six, absorb distractions with gratitude. If there is a noise or distraction, rather than fusing, the, fusing and fuming about it, learn to take it in and conquer it. If little children are running about, bless them. You know, you don't want children to leave church because some mean, ornery, hard to get along with, cantankerous, old, fogey Christian just said, I wish you to take them children and lock them away so that they don't disrupt our worship service. You know, no, absorb it. God, thank you for the children. Thank you that they're in around us. Thank you that they're not in the streets. Thank you that they, whatever to whatever degree, they're listening. Don't get disrupted by fusing. I wish they'd do something with that, you know. And obviously, we don't want the service to be uh, um, to, to be so um, disruptive by children that it causes people to to not be able to hear. But some of them are just, you know, a child just makes a little noise, or 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 something out of the ordinary happens. Absorb it. Thank God for it. Thank God for the children. One day I was a child. One day, my mama had to walk me out of church. <laughs> you know, Lillian used to do that too. But uh, know that. Know that, 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 that just absorb. Just know that you too were whatever you just got mad at. You too have done it before or have been it before. And just absorb it. Be thankful for it. All right? 
That's a big one. That really is. Seventh, learn to offer a sacrifice of worship. Many times you will not feel like worshiping. You know, listen, let's just be honest here. Sometimes we just don't feel like singing. We just don't feel like worshiping. We just don't feel, you know, sometimes I don't really feel like saying I love my wife to my wife. But I do it anyway. I hear a little prompting on the inside. Tell your wife you love her. And I do love her. I really do. I just didn't feel like telling her I love her. But 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 sometimes we don't feel like doing what things in our flesh. But just learn how to get beyond that. Learn how to offer up the sacrifice of praise. Like I don't feel like it ain't about you. I don't want I it's not about you. It's about the object of your worship. It's about God. What does he want? Last, the fruits of worship, one last thing. Just as worship begins in holy expectancy, it ends in holy obedience. If worship does not propel us into greater obedience, it has not been worship. To stand before the Holy One of eternity is to change. Boy, it will change you. When you get in and you, you move into worship and he begins to drop and download things into you and you begin to or, or, or needs for adjustments and changes, man, there's nothing more wonderful to be in that place. Oh, God, yeah, I did. I, I missed that, God. I didn't see that. But in worship, you'll get it. Or, or you'll hear him say, I love you, son. I, I really I really appreciate that the fact that you are worshiping me and that you adore me and that you choose to worship me in the midst of the hostile environment. Yeah, I love you so much for that. You're going to hear him say some things back to you, and it's going to be beautiful. Resentments, listen, resentments cannot be held with the same tenacity. When we enter his gracious light, you know, sometimes I really wonder if people are worshiping because they can remain so bitter and so harsh. You cannot remain bitter and harsh and spend time in worship. If you, if you are, are or do remain bitter and harsh and honorary and mean-spirited, that means, and, and you still are going to church, and do, that means that you're a religious person. You're not a worshiper person. You're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so you make that adjustment because there's no way you can stand in, in the presence of a wonderful, loving God and it not change your attitude towards other people. As Jesus says, we need to leave our gift at the altar and so let the matter and so set the matter go set the matter straight. In worship an increased power steals its way into our heart sanctuary, and increased compassion grows in the soul. To worship is to change. Man, I want to change. And one of the ways that God has given us to change is through the vehicle of worship. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's practice worship. Let's practice listening to God. Let's practice having him consume our space all the time. That we're constantly aware of him, constantly acknowledging him, constantly saying, God, what wouldst thou have me to do? I hope you gained something from this. Uh, I went a little longer because I wanted to finish out worship today, but I hope you've gained something from this. Remember this coming Sunday, uh, we're going to have a special service with my good friend, I love to call him my friend. Uh, Dr. Eddington uh, will be here with us, along with Dr. Maurer from uh, Montreal College. And uh, they've got, uh, you know, many of you know that I was awarded by the grace of God 
awarded a, a uh, honorary doctorate from Montreal College, and I am forever uh, indebted uh, to them for that. And I thank God that they they followed them. They had to have followed the leading of the Holy Spirit and grace to to uh, to honor me in that way. But I'm so very appreciative of them, but mostly of God for having them placing that on their hearts and them being obedient uh, to that. And so they're gonna. Uh, uh, Dr. Eddington will be speaking and. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, Dr. Maurer will also uh, have a few things to say as well. Both of them are men of God, wonderful men of God, and they're going to share the 10 o'clock hour with us this coming Sunday. So we invite you to come. Uh, those who can, we, we do limit our seating. Um, so if you are coming, you might want to get here a little earlier than otherwise uh, uh, we do uh, when we're doing our uh, two services. And because at a certain point, we will have to cut off. Uh, the number that go into the sanctuary. But we do have additional seating uh, elsewhere uh, in our building. So God bless you. Hope you'll make it out on Sunday. Remember, uh, uh, Friday will be our another prayer time at noon. And for those of you that are on the wall with us, remember our 24-hour prayer on Tuesdays. Uh, God bless you. I love you. And remember, this is also our, our Wednesday. We, we receive offering for those who desire to give on Wednesday. You can go to our website and give, or you can mail it in, um, newdaycc.com, uh, or you can uh, mail it in as well. Uh, we appreciate your support. Thank God that you believe the Word of God. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with this church. You believe God's Word, and you believe that this Word is important to get out, even by way of uh, streaming. So we appreciate your support at this time. Let's pray, and we'll finish. Father, thank you once more for our coming together this evening, uh, this day and uh, sharing your good news. Thank you for the work that Richard Foster has done. We believe that he has really heard from God on this, and it's been a wonderful uh, time to share these these uh, disciplines in our life. Um, uh, I speak your blessing over him as well and, and honor him for what he's done. Thank you for keeping us all safe. Thank you for keeping us free from uh, sickness, disease, uh, um, uh, incidences, anything that would try to hurt us. We thank you that you are our protector. We claim your protection over each one of us. Thank you for helping us to grow and transform in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, God willing, we'll see you uh, Friday and then, of course, on Sunday. We hope to see you all here. Dr. Eddington, uh, our congregation, you all know him. He does an excellent job. He is a man of God with the joy of the Lord, and we're looking forward to hearing from him. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.